But the point I'm trying to make is we are we are very rich in data, but we don't think data is important. This is the Insurance Technology Podcast, where we bring interesting people from across the insurance ecosystem to discuss and debate technology's impact on the industry. Join us each episode for insights and best practices from industry stewards and tomorrow's innovators. Now, here's your host, Reed Holsworth. So I wanted to invite Kabir onto the podcast because he's just a really interesting guy. Now, not everybody in the industry really knows Kabir really knows him. But it's funny, the people that do when his name is mentioned, you'll see people kind of smirk, smile and laugh because he's a really interesting guy. And you got to get to know him to to understand what I'm saying. Now, not only that, but Kabir has a lot of depth and spent a lot of time in this industry. From his time at Marsh to founding Risk Match, uh, that which then he sold to Vertifor, and now he's got this top secret company that they're building. Nobody knows what they're doing. He talks about that a little bit in the third episode. So stay tuned for that. But really good stuff. Now, in this first episode, we learn how Kabir got into the industry. And, and really, he gets into his thoughts around how brokers and carriers are leveraging data or, or, or frankly, how they're not uh, for their success. It's a really interesting set of episodes, so stay tuned. You're really going to enjoy it. Today, I have a very amazing guest, the man, the myth, the legend, Kabir Syed. Um, Welcome. Um, Very, very excited to have you on the show today. We're going to get into some really good stuff. So for the audience, please um, give give a little introduction uh, about yourself. And, um, and then if you could, please let us know how you got into insurance technology. Kind of give us a little background on how you got into insure tech, if, if you don't mind, Kabir. Sure. Um, mine, you know, mine is an accidental journey uh, and very good accidents along the way. Uh, I got into uh, insurance because that was the only company um, that would actually sponsor my green card. That's how I got into oh. insurance. So this was... Uh, 27, 28 years back. And uh, I got into research. I love research and data. So I'm not a programmer. I'm not a technologist. Uh, I love to look at data and say, how can I help uh, kind of thing. I'm more of a guy who wants to please. Uh, that's how I, I build products. Um, so I got when I was doing that, I accidentally ran across when I was at, uh, in one of the sales meetings with this broker, I ran across and the way they were selling, and I'm like, well, this doesn't make sense. Why can't we use technology? Because they were using yellow books to go after people. Uh, and I was like a little <laughs> bit shocked. So, <laughs> you know, when I came to America, I always thought that, oh, it's going to be technologically advanced. They're going to use the best computers, but they were using yellow books and country clubs. And I'm like, well, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> so that's how I got into insurance. And if you think back, right, most of us get into insurance accidentally because we don't mm-hmm. go up saying, I'd love to be a broker. I'd love to be an insurance person. Uh, yep. and, we, and we just stay along for the longest time. Your friends, your colleagues, you become mm-hmm. very close to them. So mine was a journey which was uh, into insurance. And then technology was just a project. It was, um, when, I, when I think about it, 
I was creating something for uh, Marsh at that point, Marsh and McLean uh, uh, companies, uh, a project which was, can I digitize or take prospect data from, let's say, DNB, merge it with market stance data, and then merge it with our internal data to say, who is a client, what did they pay, and what can we sell them, and what did they buy? And it was, it was just a concept that we hired an access programmer to really create. It was called MAPS, Market Analysis and Prospecting System. And that took off like hell uh, within Marsh itself. And for me, and they said, well, when you do one thing, they're like, well, now you're the guy who does all, all these kinds of projects. So I'm like, I love it. So I'm like, uh, let's start doing that. <laughs> That's awesome. So talk about that. So what did you do after that? What happened after you were do- doing the Marsh projects and whatnot? So then what did you get into? So, you know, it, it was a very interesting journey. Uh, I've never been a broker. I've never. So I'm, I'm not a broker. I'm not a programmer. Uh, I'm more of a research strategy guy. So I, Marsh did not know what to do with me, but I had great mentors over there who allowed me to do what uh, to solve problems. Um, so their, their point was like, so I, if you think about my 15, 17 years at Marsh, I changed 14 roles because they wow. didn't know what to do with me. So By the I, way, I just want to say, what a great place to start your career yeah, yeah. at that level. Like, that's awesome, man. That's really yeah. awesome. I've been very, yeah. very lucky, right, uh, yeah. uh, in my life. Like I say, accidents. I, so I allow accidents to happen because you never know what you learn. And <laughs> everything is a learning experience. So from there, I went and I worked in finance for a little bit, sales for a little bit, uh, marketing, mm-hmm. because you learn different aspects of how uh, an operation works. And while we were looking, we... I was on a sales call, a sales call with a producer, and the CFO of the company said, "Hey, do you uh, can you give me a price on what my insurance will cost?" Well, the producer went into this whole spiel about, "Well, we can't give you a price. There are twenty-five factors, and uh, it went on and on." And I came back and said, "I think we can give him a price." He's like, "No, hmm. we can't give a price. We won't, don't want to be bound by it." I said, "No, no. We have two million clients. All we have to do is put together all the clients and say." You can be in a range between X and Y. He's like, well, I don't know how to do that. If you want to do that, take a shot. So I did that uh, to say we'll create a pricing index. That's how the first part of benchmarking and insurance at that point came through. Come on, get rid. That's awesome, man. I didn't know this. 15 years back. And it wasn't that I thought through it. I just said, well, why can't we do it? If you have a totally, I can give you a price. It won't be accurate, but it'll be a range. Uh, so that's what we used, and people would ask for, hey, I'll give you $5,000 if you cut me a price. And we started making money on that, which is kind of surprising. No kidding, yeah. Uh, and they, and they, Marsh has been known for their benchmarking, like right, still that, today. Like today, today still, that yeah. That was the first project I started at Marsh, which was electronic. So Marsh oh, that's was, awesome. Was, I didn't know this. Huh, it's awesome. So, uh, you know, I've been, I'm, I'm old. I don't look old, uh, but uh, I'm old. <laughs> Uh, I used to say, hey, you know, when you start, you're like, well, these old people will not understand. Now I'm one of those old guys. Uh, So uh, it was very interesting. So that was one uh, project which got me into technology. And what I learned was, uh, Reid, and you'll you'll just uh, uh, get this very quickly, which is in our industry, we have so much data, but we are like the highway for data to say, I'll take it from here and pass it along. We never use that. We say, well, I intuitively know what carrier to go to or what I should charge or what they will buy. I'm like, you know, that is data because you have learned it over a period of time. So over a period of time, I said, well, 
I'll give you a great example. The next project which actually helped me start the company was, you know, Marsh used to have a lot of data and they spend a lot of money uh, uh, on data, on technology. So one of the things we said was, can we make money on data itself? So one of the things we said is, look, it's easy to say, I will not sell your data. I will not do this. It's not selling data. It's actually creating an auction kind of an environment. So one of the things we said was, you can't make more money unless you change carriers or every five years, 10 years, whatever it is. So the way to market it is to say, I'm going to show you what we have. This is my pool. And if you go back, most carriers do not know. They know this market is a trillion dollars, but they do not know who has what and when it comes up. So all I was trying to do was instead of changing behavior of 5,000 people, can we create a platform that says, here's what I have. Would you like to come and take a shot at it? And you go through the same process. So it's like, instead of saying it is my client, it's my, uh, my uh, uh, personal relationship, it is a company's relationship. It is a company's data. So we said, let's put it up. And that really changed how carriers interacted with brokers. So our point, my point at that point was, can we take this and make it to an industry-wide thing? That was the first initial uh, offering of a marketplace, but only for Marsh. Now, right. they're not, so you might say, well, this is not genius. It's there in every other industry. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, you don't have to be genius. You just have to say what is working in something else and can it solve a problem for us? Mm -hmm. And that was very well taken. Uh, and my, that's how I started into the marketplace. That was the very big project where you're giving access to a provider of a product. It's like saying I go to a supermarket, but I won't show you, I won't show you uh, all the products. You tell me what you want and I'll show you. I'm like, no, no, show me all the products. Then I can choose which one I like. So mm -hmm. we are the only industry where we say you come to me and you talk to me then I decide what I want to show you, but I won't show you everything else. So it's, it's almost like it's uh, uh, counterintuitive to what the consumer or the end user really wants. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. You know what's interesting is that a lot of things of what you said is thus far is you just ask why. Like, wait, I think we can do that. Like, why not? Why can't we? And you know what's so funny about that? I talk to people all the time and like, People just don't ask and, and they just like, well, I, I don't know. Like, no, I don't think we can do that. Yep. Why not? Right. <laughs> and yep. It's like, these are simple things. Technically it's not rocket science, but it's right. just somebody, I don't know, for lack of a better term, having the balls to just go out and do it. Right. Absolutely. And just, and then somebody enabling it too. Like in your case, they're like, really, you think you can do it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Do it. You know, this kind of thing, right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely right. Right, we have gone into this mode as an industry where we never ask the question why. Well, it's always been done like this. I'm like, why not change it? Maybe we didn't have email. We used to send by courier or mail. Right. Why did we use email then? So, if you mm -hmm. think of the progression of our industry, we went from sending paper packets or FedEx kind of packets to everyone and having the pink slips uh, in the London market to sending by email, but we have not progressed beyond that. Right. So why have we not? Because, it, well, we like to do things uh, the older way or the traditional way, but it also costs time and money to do that. Mm -hmm. right? And, uh, and the time and money, you can always make money, but you can't get back time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny, too. I was on, I was on speaking at some event the other day. 
and I, and I kind of said this, I mean, do you think that the industry in general seems to go after its shiny objects and just like, let's go after the shiny object. Let's talk about AI and this kind of stuff, right? When we're still communicating via, you know, f- standard static forms and email and there's no automation, no connectivity, these kinds of things like, should, you know, should we be talking about those shiny objects? I don't know. I mean, I think they're cool. I, I, you know, it's good water cooler conversation. Um, but I, I feel that there are, there's some core big things within the industry that could be solved and it. And it's guys like you, they're just like, why don't we fix that? Like, what do you mean? You know? So, um, you know, it, inter- it, interesting. My last podcast, I was interviewing um, Dennis Jacasian, which I, I'm sure you know Dennis. And Dennis was talking about the 80s, man, like the 80s and the 90s. And like, and it's so crazy. He's talking about like, like Semsi, not the, not the company, but yep. you know, um, and, and by the way, I love Philippe, love Semsi, good guys. But, but, you know, um, he was just talking about like, this is, these are problems back in the 80s and 90s that are still exist today. And then you think about like, you brought up the marketplace. Well, you know, there, there's, there's like a cuss word in our industry called the exchange. Yeah. Right. Why? Because the exchange has failed so many times, yeah. you know? And, and so I don't, it just like, why, man? Like, I mean, so, <laughs> you know, I, I'll, uh, I've had this conversation so many times. Uh, Market Connect was the first exchange uh, in insurance, at least in the U.S. for brokers. And what I recognized was it's the failure is partly because of the data issue, but the failure is also because we, are, we always say, no, we are special. We are customized. This is not a yeah, product. That, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. And yeah. we've got to get rid of this old world concept to say we are customized. I'm like, no. At some point, you're not taking a product and customize it other than the wording, verbiage of it, right? Most of right. the time that we sell, we are taking something off the shelf and uh, uh, giving it. So we should say transporting it, accessing it should be faster, easier, cheaper. Otherwise, you're going to be out uh, of the game. And that's what is happening over a period of time. It, it, let's forget about the brokers, right? Brokers is one part. You have carriers who say, well, uh, I'm not going to insure Tesla at a cheaper rate because uh, you know why? Because all cars are the same. I'm like, well, Tesla is going to say, I'm going to create, uh, I, I predicted this three years back to say, Tesla is going to say they'll do insurance on their own. Well, what mm-hmm. happens? Now it's only 2% of the cars. What happens when it's 15% of the cars? That's right. What happens in 25 years? Uh, when it's 50% of the cars. So we've got to adapt to things to say there's a better way. And I'm not saying do cheaper, but I'm like, there's a better way to look at things. The second part of it is, like, look at uh, the SEMC, the uh, single interface thing. For how many decades have we been talking of this? I mean, from the 70s, we have been talking of this. We have uh, many companies. I I work for a company that wasted $100 million uh, on creating uh, a single interface, and it doesn't even exist now. Um, hundred million dollars, which is nothing for this multi-billion-dollar company. Mm-hmm. But the point I'm trying to make is, we are we are very rich in data, but we don't think data is important. Yeah. And and we are buying technology which relies on data, and we'll say, I will enter it again, because if you talk to people and say, Hey, you have this, it should be, and we are sequencing things wrong. If you yeah. look at our problems, right, we'll say, Hey, I have a system. I have two platforms. We have a collaboration system and we have a process. Now, the process system is the uh, epics of the world, uh, AMS 360s of the world. 
And the collaboration is I use CRM, I use email. And if you think how much is going on, we only put structured things in collaboration, in, in uh, process, but all of our interaction, intelligence, codes, everything is sitting in a collaboration system. So I'm like, mm -hmm. how did these two then merge? Because now right. it's like saying, well, I'm going to have a Ferrari, but I'm going to keep driving my Fiat every day. I'm like, yeah. well, it's just sitting in the garage and you're going to have oil leaks. Uh, that's how we have to think to say, can we merge them together? Why are we using this? Well, part of the thing is we have said we will create, we will look at problems and create singular uh, solutions to that problem. And we have done that over and part of it is how the venture cap industry works. Part of it is how technology works because they'll say only focus on a narrow problem. I'm like, well, if you focus on a narrow problem, then you're going to have 80 different solutions for the 80 different narrow problems. And then you're going to have a system integration problem at the end of it. <laughs> so my suggestion is, hey, put data first so that it goes into it and become the repository of that so that now you can feed anything you want. That's right. So dig into that a little bit. What do you, what do you think about, you know, I mean, data in this industry, people, people are scared of it. You know, they don't like it. I, I talk to carriers and they, they're like, oh, whoa, whoa, hold on. Like you, that word comes up and people like get up out of their seat, right? Um, I mean, there's that and, you know, connectivity too. Yeah. And really even, and all of that said, standardization across all of it. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a lot there, but, you know, just a couple of thoughts on any of that. It would, it would be awesome for the audience. You so know? let's take this uh, concept, right? Insurance is all about data. I know it's the relationship that gets access to it, but carriers don't create data. They're mm -hmm. collecting data and evaluating data. They're evaluating you by collecting data. So the question is, we are taking data from the consumer or the end consumer, whatever you want, whether it's person, organization, you know, it doesn't really matter. Now, and we are passing it out and we never keep it. And the carrier re uh, again types it in and then uses it and maybe sends it back sometimes, but not all the time. Mm -hmm. They're spending mm -hmm. money on it, right? So why would they send it back? Right. So the question I have is, all data in insurance starts with the broker, at least in the U.S., mm -hmm. right? How come we have not, and it, it just travels, we just the highway and we push it off, and then we say, hey, can you, I, I've been in meetings where brokers say, oh, I'm going to ask the carrier, how much business do I do? I'm like, no, oh, you'll be in a great negotiating position when you ask the carrier, how much business you'll do. So why would they say it, right? It's like saying, how much money can you give me? Well, I'll give you $2. Well, you are not, don't you owe me $10? Because our model is just one, right? If you think of our model, it's based on what the commission is paid. So on one hand, that's one, right? We're saying we need to tackle that problem of if the data is traveling through me, capture it and use it better. Because ultimately, if you're an intermediary, you have two things. One is advice, one is execution. Think of every intermediary in any other industry, whether it's banking, stock trading, it's execution and then pricing of things, right? So we're saying on advice, you have the, the, you know, the private wealth managers or on execution is you have the Robin Hood's kind of platforms. Mm -hmm. You have to have that very well done and the cost keeps going down. Otherwise, yes. they'll, yeah, they'll take you out uh, so that somebody will come and take you out. That's what happens with the banks. They have lost all of the stock, stock trading. You know, the $50, $100 per stock is now free, essentially. Um, mm -hmm. So those are the two parts that we have not paid attention to. The second part is, 
Well, we have taken over as brokers, we have taken over a lot of the things that the carriers used to do, whether it's certificates and things like that, because we want to serve the client, but we have not made it easy to serve the client. Mm. Let's say uh, we are buying insurance and uh, we say, hey, here's what, uh, as a company, here's what we're doing. And this is what the insurance we want. We, so I get three different forms from our broker because I want to use a broker. And I said to him, do you not have this digitized? He's like, no. And I'm thinking, this is 2021, and this is probably the 150th time you have done this. <laughs> or maybe uh, 45,000 times you have done this. And so I said to our, I turned to our program and said, take this form, digitize it. Next time, we're going to send him that and say, give him a free link for it. Because why can't you do it? it it's a Chubb form or uh, you know whatever, uh, different forms. Mm-hmm. So yep. that is one part of it. The second part of it is, we don't think psychologically, we think data means, oh, technology, which means I'm going to be out of a job. That's right. Like the robots taking away the jobs of manufacturing. Yep. So you're like, well, it's not going to take your job. It's actually going to make it easy. So why not buy the data if the carrier or everybody is underwriting based on this? Why not buy the data beforehand? That mm-hmm. way you can ask for more because the carrier is not creating data. They're evaluating data from a price perspective on their portfolio. That's all they're doing. You know, they have, to, they have carriers who will say, I won't underwrite if you jump off uh, or if you have a trampoline or things like that. Mm-hmm. So you know, they are always pockets of carriers. So that's one part that we have not recognized. And we have not done enough in terms of implementing uh, an easy way to serve customers and an easy link to connect with carriers, right? Uh, for example, you have the... Uh, uh, you know, the prestigious position of being the only company to download data from a carrier into uh, into the systems. Uh, think about it. That's a very powerful position. Now, the brokers rely on it. So that's a great position to be in. So the question is, hey, can you also send it? Could you also send Absolutely. it? Absolutely. And why not, right? You're downloading. Can you also yeah. have an electronic farm? But not many people are thinking. You're thinking that way, but not many. Why can't there be a strike for insurance? Well, they're scared of it. I mean, to your point, like yeah. they're, it's like we, we can't we don't want to give that to them. We don't want to send it. It's like, let's hold it. But all we're doing is holding each other back, in my opinion. So you know, you're absolutely right. I'll give you a great example. And you will. so if you say, what do brokers say? Carriers are my partners, right? They say, hey, they're mm-hmm. my partners because you and they are 100 percent. Right. In every way. Yeah. So let me yeah. take that same thing and say, I'll say, OK, if you have a carrier, why don't you tell the carrier? You can't change the technology for a carrier. You can't, right? I'm talking about speed. So if you're working with a, a prospect, tell the carrier I'm working with this prospect and I'd like a price on it. Here's, uh, you can buy the data. Because now when the broker, when you get the BOR, then you have a price right there. You don't have to wait right. two weeks. Because I have, I gave our uh, broker the information on my new company and they've been waiting. So I'm like, and the answer was, can you be patient? And I'm thinking, well, isn't it 2021? I waited a week, but I have to wait two weeks for it. But two weeks to wait a price, it's like, would you ever go and go on Amazon or Walmart, whatever it is, even a physical and say, I'd like you to wait two weeks for a price code. Why can't it be that if you only told the carrier, I know they can take some time, but all I'm saying is give the information before so that you get a price very quickly. Right. Yeah, but you can't say, I can't give it to the carrier. You can't call somebody a partner and not work with them with what you're doing. Because if you think yeah. of a carrier, 
carriers have this, um, not a loophole, it's a reservation system. Right? If you're working with one broker, you won't accept the same deal from another broker. So we're saying, can you use the reservation system to say, I want to lock in this client, that way you don't have to work. That's a loophole uh, or an inefficiency in the, in the system. So if you work yeah, with Yeah, right, totally. You've just is, locked right? the client. Yeah, it's a good point. It's not the client. Right. You, but they have this fear, most brokers have this fear that the carrier will go and work with somebody else. Well, you can't take one bad actor and say this is for the entire industry. Yeah. It happens. It's like saying, well... Uh, you know, how people say, oh, if you travel and you're in Brazil, you'll get mugged. I'm like, well, I could get mugged in Bronx too, so it doesn't really matter. Right. So you just have to be who you are and say, this is what I'm going to trust and then go with it. Well, that was awesome. It was great to get his perspective on how carriers and brokers should embrace technology. I still can't believe that he was the one that started Benchmarks at Marsh. That's a really big thing. Marsh is known for that. So in the next episode, you'll hear how Kabir eventually got bored with benchmarking and decided to quit and go off and start a data company, which became Risk Match, uh, which he then sold to Vertifor. So please tune into the next one. The Insurance Technology Podcast is a production of Ivan's. Visit insuretechpod.com to contact us, suggest a topic or guest for an upcoming show, and subscribe to be notified when our latest podcast is available. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app. It's where you can also leave us a rating and a review that helps other people find the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.